welcome to 360 Conversations. This is a podcast featuring powerful conversations with busy women who are simplifying their lives, living intentionally, and creating space for everyday joy. My name is Tamu Thomas. I'm your host and the founder of The 360 Brand. Today is Tuesday the 1st of May, and before we get into this powerful conversation with Greta Solomon, I want you to stop what you're doing right now, go to your web browser and type in www.live360.com. My website is live, my online store is open, have a browse, buy something if it tickles your fancy, and please do give me some feedback. Okay, so now back to our regularly scheduled program. This is a conversation with Greta Solomon. Greta is a London-based author, speaker, and creative writing coach. I first came across Greta on Instagram and was immediately attracted to the really honest and poetic style of her writing. Greta runs workshops which assist people that want to write books or want to express themselves better through writing. She is an avid believer and practicer, for lack of a better description, of self-care and self-love and just a real all-round sunshine lady. We talk about all sorts of things from creative writing, living in your truth and breaking free of the shackles imposed upon us. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Today I am joined by the awesome Greta Solomon, who is an author, a writing coach, she's been a journalist, I think she's still a journalist, we'll find out in a second, and she is um, an absolute sunshine lady. I came across Greta on Instagram, I'm sure it was, um, and we connected via my other project that I run with Leah, Motherhood Reconstructed. And she has submitted some wonderful blog posts on motherhood and also on self-care and hair and beauty standards. And I had the great fortune of being able to meet her at a panel discussion um, where we discussed all things hair, self-care and dissected some of the belief systems we have in terms of um, our aesthetics, I guess. But I'm going to stop waffling because Greta is here and she can tell us about herself. Over to you, Greta. Hi, Tamu. Thank you so much for such a lovely introduction. (laughs) It's really great to be here. Thank you for being here. Okay, so I will give you a little rundown about me. So, yeah, like you said, I'm an author um, of two books, Just Write It, which was published in 2013 by McGraw-Hill, and the forthcoming book, Heart, Soul and Sass, Write Your Way to a Fully Expressed Life. Mm -hmm. And um, my mission is to help people to better express themselves in writing, which I've been doing for the past 10 years. And that takes the form of delivering workshops for business people, for bloggers, for creatives, um, and also in-house at at some corporates and um, also coaching people who are writing self-help books or inspirational books and helping them through the whole process of getting all their magic out of them so that they can write a really great proposal and get a deal of their own. So um, yeah, thrilled to be here and it's really nice to chat more about creativity and uh, expressing ourselves. Indeed, indeed. Before we go any further, 
Greta, how do you, you write a lot. I see your work. How do you manage to write so much and remain creative and true to yourself? Yeah, that's such a great question. Um, Well, I think it's because I've kind of cultivated my creativity over many, many years. So I'll just sort of explain my story a little bit if that sort of helps to put it into context of how I'm able to do what I do. So I had a very sort of traditional career path. I studied psychology at university and I worked very briefly in fashion PR and then went into journalism, which was my dream to be a journalist. And I worked at two magazines and the second magazine, I started there at the age of 23. Wow. That was a very a top selling weekly magazine at one of the big publishing houses in London mm-hmm. and um, in many ways it was great you know got, getting to interview celebrities and traveling a lot and doing lots of writing but I really felt very blocked and stifled and completely uncreative to be quite honest and um, kind of felt like I was on this conveyor belt that I didn't really have a voice and just thought you know I'm not really supposed to feel like this at the age of 23 or 24 and I'd kind of done everything right and it just wasn't what I thought it was going to be so I took time out I when that contract ended I went freelance and I at 23 at 20, so I was 24, yeah, it was just after my 24th birthday, I went freelance, yeah, as a journalist, um, and just pitched myself all around town to different magazines, and I went to drama school, I went to drama school seven, I think it was seven days a week, actually, because it was evenings and weekends, we had to go in, I think we had Saturday off, six days a week, evening and weekends, I went to the poor school in London, did mm-hmm. drama training, um and I studied lyric writing and I traveled a lot did a lot of travel writing I did modeling wrote lots of songs and poems and kind of went on this whole creative exploration for four years where I was kind of living hand to mouth you know um, making a living without one job doing all sorts of things but it was through studying lyric writing at Berklee College of Music that I learned these amazing techniques um that songwriters use and the main technique we learned was something called object writing and it just freed me up creatively so that writing was no longer difficult I'd always been good at writing Mm -hmm. but it was a strain and it was difficult to get the words out there and learning these techniques I found it was easy so simple um and my creativity began to flow and that's what's carried me now that I can write freely and easily. And through that process, I realised I wanted to teach others to do the same. And mm-hmm. I started off doing that, first of all, with students, teaching them all the techniques I'd learned from lyric writing and bits and pieces I'd learned from acting, say, from movement, from all the things I'd done, and found a really holistic way to be creative. And that's what enables me to produce a great output now because I'm, I know how to tap into that flow and I teach other people how to do the same. Greta... I'm in awe yes. because at the in your early mid twenties, mm-hmm. well, in my early mid twenties, I was really trying to conform to what I thought society said I should do, and maybe that's changed in recent times. But at that time, lots of people were sort of folding themselves and making them fit what the traditional quote in air quotes route was what gave you the confidence to be able to say this isn't working for me I'm going to create my own path yeah I think it was that I couldn't I I just couldn't understand why 
it was necessary to do something that didn't feel right to you. So I think it was that sort of belief that I'm so young, how can I give up now, if you know what I mean? Because yeah. I remember friends around me, people were saying, but you have to stay in this job. This is such a great job. Mm. And um, I was very frowned upon what I did. It was I was seen as um, just really strange. People thought, well, how could I give up this Highly sought-after, yeah. outwardly prestigious job. Definitely. And I do remember, I remember one, I remember sitting with my mum, we went to McDonald's to talk about this. We sat in McDonald's and we had a chat about this. And she was, she just kind of said to me, you can do anything you want. You don't have to do this. You can do anything you like. And I just kind of, yeah, it's a really good question. I just felt I had to be true to myself and I had to do what made me feel good. And that my my happiness was the most important thing and through that I just sort of trusted actually really trusted that if I followed my creativity and I followed my inner direction that everything would be all right yeah I don't really have any other answer to that I am almost flawed because so the way that I'm raising my daughter Mm -hmm. I would like her to have that mindset when she finishes university, I still hold on to education is power. And I've said to her from she was young enough to understand and we had conversations about the future. She would talk about adulthood and I would say, yeah, that's fine. You go to school, uh, sixth form, you go to university, you travel, you have fun with your friends and then you do whatever you want Um, because I really just want her to go to university, um, probably living vicariously a little bit. Um, And I really want her to embody the idea that she creates her own um, contentment. Uh, She seeks happiness where she feels called to. But when I was around your age, and I think we were around a similar age, my belief which came from the people around me was that happiness came from staying in that job putting your head down or well it was never a job it was always a career or a a profession staying within your career or your profession putting your head down working your way up getting to higher heights getting these accolades and that would bring you happiness and then at the end of that you would be content There was no sense that you actually have the right to seek your joy in a way that suits you. My mind is blown. But I think also because I had always done things a little bit differently. So, for example, when university was ending, a lot of people went to the milk ground, you know, where all the big companies come and try and entice you to work for them. And I remember thinking, no, I definitely don't want to do that. (laughs) My friends were buying suits and going for interviews. And I thought, I definitely can't do that. And I actually took a big chunk out between time out between university and my first job. It was about maybe three or four months just figuring out what I wanted to do. And then got my first job through cold calling rather than looking for the jobs that were presented out there. I took it into my own hands to see where would I like to work 
and started calling around and really sort of saying, you know, I hello, I, I'm a graduate and I'd really like to work for your company. Do you have anything? And that's how I got my job in fashion PR. And then a, a sort of similar in when I started off in the magazine world, I did it the same way, calling everybody, writing letters, saying, hey, can I come for work experience? And then kind of created a job from that work experience at my first magazine. So I'd kind of always been used to that things, that there was another path. I knew there was a, a mainstream path over here, but I also knew that there was an alternative path because I'd been doing it myself and making these opportunities for myself. So I think I trusted that there were alternate paths out there. I absolutely love this. And I can see now why you are able to do what you said, you know, produce the content that you produce and just really remain true to yourself. Like I look at your um, social media feed and read the work that you do. And whilst um, the topics you cover are quote unquote relevant and will strike a chord with many people, you totally own it. Oh, thank you. That's so lovely to hear. Because, and I find that with social media, it is very organic for me. Mm -hmm. So if I'm in the, I, often I find that the sort of quiet time in the morning is really where I get a lot of ideas. And most of the stuff I put on social media is just, I've thought about it that morning um, before breakfast or when I've got up and I'll write it, I'll quickly type it out on my phone if I don't have time to get the, to the computer. Mm -hmm. And then so it's a very organic thing for me, actually, very feeling based. And it's not particularly planned. Of course, some things are planned, but most of it sort of is flowing quite naturally. Wow. No, no I, I relate to that because some of when I write, if I'm trying to force it, forget it. When it comes yeah. naturally, it just has so much meaning. The only thing I need to do is go back in, perhaps if I've got like spelling mistakes or whatever, because I've just been Definitely. typing so quickly because I've had to get it out of my mind so quickly, um, which, you know, I think you can actually really feel that. And there is a space yes. for social media content, which is planned and curated and all the rest mm -hmm. of it. But there is equally room for things that are organic and to a degree, well, not even to a degree, that are organic and raw. Definitely. But, but at the same time, I strongly believe in technique as well and using tools. And that's been kind of the, you know, the meat and potato, the sort of the main bread of my work mm -hmm. has been teaching people all the tools um, for writing, you know, the kind of using the headlines, how to construct your piece, using great openings, how to sort of create a hook. So although it's very natural and flowing at the same time, I know all the techniques and right. um, I'm a firm believer in once you know the techniques, you get a, a great confidence in writing because you actually know that what you're writing is solid. And that gives you the freedom to really express yourself because you know that you have your structure, you have the format, you know, already kind of there and that gives you great confidence in writing so and yes I'm nodding to all of that talk us through taking time out going to drop like what made you decide to go to drama school Oh, um, you know, it's funny. Uh, my first editor at my first magazine I worked for, she was amazing. She was like my mentor. And the whole time I was working for her, she used to say, Greta, you know, you really should do drama. You really should do drama. 
<laughs> was she trying to tell you something? <laughs> no, she was just saying that it was a great thing for everyone to do. And at right. that time, everyone was telling me that I really needed to be a broadcast journalist, that I should forget about print and go into broadcast. And I was getting that message all the time. But I really loved writing, so it was a confusing message. Um, yeah, and I don't even know why I wanted to go to drama school. I had this great need that I had, to, I felt I had to free myself up. You know, mm-hmm. I felt really constrained. I was such um, a good student at school and I was so, and I'd never done drama because I did music mm-hmm. and there's not enough time in the curriculum to do both. Yeah. So I just had to do my music. And I always felt I'd missed out. I'd never ever done any drama at all. So I threw myself into it completely just cold and learned how to do monologues and learned how to and I wasn't a great actress by any means but I kind of I got into drama school because of my the way I was like I I was told I got in because of my attitude Mm -hmm. more than my talent although I did you know obviously I wasn't useless because I managed to get a place um and I just I needed it. I think I needed that time to free up. We did so much movement. We mm-hmm. did voice and it was a lot of fun as well. It was really hard work and it was a lot of fun. I didn't complete the, my studies. I did just under a year. Yeah. And it was just, it was a great time. And during that time, I actually applied to uh, a drama school in Hollywood, the American Academy of Dramatic Arts. They came to London looking for people. Mm-hmm. And I actually got a place there. Wow. Also, I didn't actually take that place up because it was so expensive mm-hmm. and it was a crazy amount of money to go there. But I think that sort of gave me a lot of confidence that for performing, because I love performing. And, you know, now that I give talks and do workshops, it was been such a great foundation mm-hmm. for being able to stand on a stage and feel comfortable. Yeah. Of course, nervous, but comfortable. Yeah. So you talked about this uh, drama studies you know you didn't Mm. complete it but whilst you were there it was fun but it was hard work and it was fun it was hard work you were doing it seven days a week and you were still freelancing yeah still freelancing so I was super busy because I was still pitching to all sorts of I was freelancing for the women's magazines a lot of weeklies and some newspapers so yeah I was really really busy during that time I guess that laid the foundation for where you are now um it's where you are combining your own writing career with being able to coach others what led you to um, a career as a writing coach so it was 2006 I remember I was um, sort of coming towards the end of this whole creative exploration thing and it was literally just a like an, an aha moment I was kind of sitting in my room and just I just thought I need to combine everything I've learned and teach other people. And so I, I, st- I took out a loan and I did a life coaching qualification. I did a teaching qualification and I did the lyric writing diploma. And those three things combined gave me everything I needed to, to teach and coach people to write. And it was really just, it just seemed the natural conclusion of everything I'd done you know, would be to to teach. And I'm so glad I did it. It really has changed my life. And it's been, um, it's been, a, it's been great. I feel like I'm living my purpose doing this work. Greta, Greta, Greta. <laughs> I know that we shouldn't have other people as goals, but damn, you are goals. <laughs> my goodness gracious me. I'm just, you know, 
my West African parentage, I still have a love for qualifications and I have even more of a love for people that seek qualifications in adulthood because having to like having the responsibility of looking after yourself and paying bills and all that boring stuff that comes along with it can be off-putting for people actually carving out space to live their dreams I've got a question on this piece of paper saying how do you create space for joy you I like you just do it it seems like it's part of your fiber yes I think um I come from quite a joyful family I think um, in in a way, mm-hmm. um, we like to have we like to laugh, <laughs> like to have fun, and yeah, I I just I just never thought that I should um, give up. I think you know, because not, not everything in my life is joyful. There's been some terrible things, mm-hmm. but I always think should n- not give up. You should sort of try and keep try and yeah, find joy and find. Yes, I don't even know. Actually. That's the bit, because, to sorry to, to cut you, not yeah. giving up, the, the narrative of not giving up manifests itself in lots of ways. So in many people's lives, they will see sticking at a career that doesn't give them any satisfaction but pays their bills at the end of the month, that is not giving up. What, uh, you, yes. what I'm interpreting you as doing that English is whack, but never mind. But what I'm interpreting what you said as is that you have prioritised doing things that give you joy. Whereas we, as a society, I have found from reading and observing people and whatever else, we tend to put joy on a back burner because we think we've got to be serious. I went to this... um, event and there was a relationship coach talking and he was saying that um, a lot of the people that come through his door for counselling are there when you strip back the issues within their relationship they have forgotten how to have fun in their relationship they get bogged down with having a serious relationship and doing serious things and chasing this goal and then that goal and then the other goal and hopefully that will bring them happiness and he was saying that relationships as all things in life should also be a source of of playful fun and joy and I'm just hearing this I'm, I'm looking at your 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 picture <laughs> I'm just hearing this I'm seeing this when I met you that's just what is beaming out of you this is going to sound like I'm some kind of um Greta fan club I claim it I am but it's it's so wonderful why have why do you think so many of us have gosh I've gone so high-pitched I'm so into what I'm saying but why do you think so many of us have got bogged down in the seriousness of life and we've parked away the fun because I think that for me I'm a highly sensitive person so I get the feedback a lot quicker so you know if I'm in an environment Mm -hmm. that does not feel good I know it straight away. Mm. And I think people who are not highly sensitive, they don't get the feedback quick enough that that they don't feel great or that they are being too serious um, because they, and, and you need to kind of carve out space to give yourself that feedback. So you need, as a highly sensitive person, I have a lot of creative time and downtime so I can figure out what's going on and why I feel this way Mm. but I think for people who don't naturally do that 
if they could carve out some space, they'd realise what they're feeling and they would stop ignoring it and pushing through. Um, this is what... my language, Greta. This is, this is literally the ethos of this brand. And mm-hmm. I got the message so damn late, not because I'm not sensitive. I'm very sensitive, but I learned very early to mask up my sensitivity with faux it wouldn't even be faux confidence just by faking stuff yeah so became detached and something that I found quite often in women who are very ambitious and striving um my sort of um analysis is that in our society which is very which is uh I guess, dominated by masculinity and masculine patriarchal values, we have conflated success and ambition with things that are or were traditionally seen to be masculine. And I know that there are some people that will jump all over that and say that I'm, you know, bending into gender stereotypes. But there are some things that are quite masculine. There are some things that are quite feminine, I believe. Um, So... I think lots of women on their path to success and fulfilling their ambitions hid a lot of things that are associated with femininity and covered it up with the competitive side that is associated with masculinity. So they got their memos late or ignored them. I ignored memos left, right and centre. And it's only when I carved out the space because I learned that I have the right to be in touch with my feelings and express my feelings and work with my energy rather than against, that I was able to do that. Yeah, I totally understand. And I think, yeah, because like you say, we're not encouraged to be sensitive in our society at all. Um, now more so, but back, you know, for our generation, it was not really seen as a, as a positive thing. Mm-mm. And I think if you work in the corporate world you can quite easily get wrapped up in striving for success. There's always a ladder to climb in in that world. So I think it's really common that that, that, that this happens. And and also there's been a real lack of female role models for our generation. And... We just didn't see many people doing cool things and living their own life. No. Just didn't see that. Everyone who was successful was quite sort of corporate or quite had a masculine expression of their their success. So Mm -hmm. I think it's been, I think times are changing now. Big time, big time. I'm going to come back to changing times, but something that you said um, about um, role models and... um, me talking about um, women and us living on our own terms, I guess, is a summation of what I was saying. Um, In preparation for our conversation, you mentioned um, Amal Clooney and the narrative around her has been really interesting to watch, um, where a woman who is so powerful was, I'm going to say the word reduced to, George Clooney's other half. And when you read about her, if we want to be petty, I would say George Clooney is her other half. (laughs) 
But, you know, I don't think that anybody's any other half. Could you talk a bit about why this was something you mentioned in prep for this conversation? Yeah, I mentioned it because US Vogue did a really nice article about Amal where they said they started off by saying that she was a fully a, a woman who was living in her full expression when she met George Clooney. Um, and they didn't reduce they were one of the few people that didn't reduce her to George Clooney's wife. Mm -hmm. They saw her as a whole person, completely formed. And I just I loved that because I think that's our goal to be a whole full person and then meet another whole full person and be two full people together into you know relating and I just think that we can all achieve we can all achieve being whole if we just take the time out to figure out some of the shadow stuff that's going on yep. and actually to just feel some of the things we've been putting off feeling it's it's difficult but if we can use writing which is what a lot of what I talk about in the new book different ways that we can use writing to just get in touch and see the real gems mm-hmm. in the bad stuff and that's the magic that allows you to sparkle. If you're suppressing how you feel, you can't let your magic sparkle up and you can't feel vibrant and then you can't attract all the great things you really want and you can't feel whole. So Greta. you've got to get a bit dirty first. Greta, I agree wholeheartedly. And um, I think that it is so, so, so important um, for us to create that space for that introspection and look at everything look at the wholeness um the 360 degrees um because (laughs) (laughs) plug plug when we ignore those shadows those shadows really cast a beaming darkness over everything we do even the joyful things and I think it's a real shame that in this quest for all of us to live our best lives people are buying into this narrative of only being positive good vibes only and not actually breaking down and sitting in those uncomfortable feelings that lurk in the shadows Mm -hmm. to as you say do the work that reveals that magic because we can all be magical but we can't be magical if we're dulling things down could you tell us some of the ways you use that because you talk about um writing clearing a path to self-love how Mm. do you use your writing to clear that path and feel all the feelings that you're feeling when you're feeling them yeah so um one thing I would just say before that actually is I really recommend retreats Mm -hmm. um you know if you can take the time if you can if you can find the funds to go away for a week there are amazing retreats out there where you can go and do all this work you know, where you can uh, do yoga every day, where you can detox a bit, where you can have the space to start writing. I really, really recommend that because mm. um, that sort of fast tracks it. And I've done three retreat, tr- retreats like that in my life and they've been amazing. Did you um, tell me you did a silent retreat? No, I did. Actually, the most recent one was a detox. So it was okay. a seven day juice fast. Oh, that was it. And I, I remember yeah. you saying it. I was like, girl, weren't you hungry? No, I wasn't hungry. I couldn't believe I wasn't hungry. It's insane. They give you a lot of supplements and loads of juice and you don't feel hungry. It's just the strangest thing. 
Um, but I think yeah, in terms of writing and sort of getting quiet, a lot of us, um, I, have, I created this thing called the communication pyramid where at the top you have your mind and then you have your heart and soul and the body and then you have the voice. You know, we all want to get our voice out there. And most of us are writing and from the mind mm. And so when we do sit down to write something, we're just criticising ourselves, thinking, oh, that grammar is rubbish. Oh, gosh, you know, oh, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. Drag me, drag me. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody does this. When I, when I have the, my workshops and I say, you know, which part of the, the pyramid are you writing? But everyone's like, well, I'm writing from the mind. So we have to get into the body before you can access the heart. So a technique that I have for that is object writing, which is where you take an object and you look at what you can see here. Uh, you use your seven senses. So see, hear, touch, taste, smell, what mm -hmm. you feel about the object and the movement of the object. You literally time yourself. You do five minutes or 10 minutes just focusing on your senses and writing about that object completely like with no stopping, just writing, 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 writing. And that gets you out of your mind. It's so amazingly powerful that everybody who does it says, wow, that's, I didn't think, I just created. Mm. And that gets you feeling where that zone should be. So you start to tap into that energy and you can use that technique anytime you want. But it's also about getting into your body. So it's about walking and it's about um, doing things that access your right brain. So like chopping vegetables and making something, mm -hmm. um, showering, driving. It's about switching off your mind and then writing from that space. Greta, oh my gosh, how many wonderful ideas come into your mind in the shower when you're driving? Yeah, exactly. The shower and driving are peak creativity moments for me. Yeah, they are. And you need to harness them. So if you have a dream, if you have something you really want to do, sort of set the intention that during that, that shower time and that driving time, you'll start plotting out your dream or plotting out what you want. And then you're sort of turbocharging yourself, you know, to get where you want to go quicker. Yes. Okay. I think that I just need to, because what I do is I have these ideas that bubble up when I'm doing something where mm. it's impossible for me to write. And then I'm out of that space and then I just get switched back into busy mode. So oh. it is about being mindful and creating that space so that I have the, that moment to even if it's just free writing, whatever's come into my mind so I can pick it up again later. Yeah, you can always jot it down. If you're driving, you can speak into the phone. If you're in the shower, you can have your notebook next to you and just, you know, put your arm out and just write. You always have to, you know, write down those moments. You can take your phone and quickly jot something into your phone. If you don't write down those gems when they come, you do lose them. Yeah. And you, don't, you don't remember them. And right, those, so people, notepads and pens everywhere you go, please. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And don't underestimate the fact that if you spend a whole day, every time you're in a sort of like alpha zone, that's what it's called, you know, when you're in your right brain. Mm -hmm. For one whole day, if you jotted down everything you thought about, you might have a great blog post then. Mm. You just don't know what, you know, you might have the, the makings of a book. You might have an idea that changes everything and that these, these small times in your day are so powerful and so valuable. So you have used those times, those powerful times in your day, you have mm -hmm. written down or dictated into your phone the things that have bubbled up. Yes. And then you fall into criticism. 
and you're criticizing mm. your self-expression. How can we deal with that? How can we pack that criticism off into a box and say, thank you very much for highlighting these mistakes. I'll take it from here. Mm. So the first thing is to go back to the pyramid and think these ideas are rough. They're from the heart. So they, of course, they're not perfect. Of course, they might be spelt wrong. So you kind of have to box your creativity into parts, the raw, messy, rough bit, mm -hmm. and then the polished, nice, uh, socially acceptable bit. Mm -hmm. And if you can really see the two for what they are and really appreciate both, you'll stop criticising yourself and you'll sort of see it as, just different phases of creativity and not everything you do will be great. Some things won't be good, but if you can kind of accept that some things are rubbish yeah. and so I'll throw that away, but some things are really good and it's just sort of, it's, it's hard, but it's just trusting your instincts. If you can have an instinct about this, I think this is a good idea. Mm -hmm. So I'll try and make this, really grammatically correct and shape that and put that out there into the world it's kind of about doing that and also having friendly people who read it you know like in your community like mm -hmm. the motherhood uh, reconstructed community is a friendly place where people share ideas and mm -hmm. share posts and it's nice to have that feedback from people you know and trust yeah. before you maybe put your work out to a wider yeah sphere of people yeah I really love that and I think that what you said about um, phases of creativity, that's really important. And I think that that can bring you back to being grounded when you're looking or when you're reviewing your work, because yeah. it's so right. You start off with a draft. That's the yeah. first phase of your creativity. So we have to tune out of looking at that first piece of work like it should be perfect that's the first phase and that's all it is it's the first phase like when we watch babies learning how to walk they don't say right I'm going to sit down forever because I fell down that time they get up and they keep refining and refining until they're able to walk so if we can remember that our creativity comes in phases sometimes you might do something bam the first time it's wonderful you're happy to share it or do whatever it is you want to do with it that's fine but if not you've got other chances to make it as you said more um socially acceptable definitely and there's always sometimes some pieces of work need a long time from that first rough draft yeah. to becoming something you could let it sit for a week you could let it sit for a few months a few you know a week a few weeks everything you kind of have to let the work go where it needs to go mm. um and at the same time sort of understand that you're your own boss like not to sort of be an external boss to yourself because I think in the corporate world you're not allowed to you know give your boss a rough draft they want to see something amazing and yeah. we can kind of internalize that critical boss voice and it's just not applicable to creativity. We're yeah. in a different playing field now. Yeah. So different rules apply here. Definitely. And I think we have to be very mindful that we don't allow our creativity to fall into the pattern of what we consume, i.e. 
a lot of us use social media, it's very quick. It's a very quick turnaround. Mm -hmm. Just because that's fast paced and that's a quick turnaround doesn't mean that your creativity has to fit in with that time scale. Yeah, definitely. You'd be surprised how long it takes people to do things. Mm. You know, I can work on, I can get quickly knock something out but if it's a book you know it could take years yeah and it's not like you're writing all the time but you just need that space and time to develop ideas yeah. and sort of see it as a luxurious process in a way yeah. you know you're letting yourself breathe you're giving yourself t idea time to let your ideas really flourish and yeah. it's quite you know magical it's quite special absolutely this morning I was doing something and um a quote by Albert Einstein popped up and it said creativity is intelligence having fun oh yes I love that oh so cool and you've talked before about um creativity being the missing piece in the wellness puzzle yes could you talk a bit more about that yeah, definitely. So, you know, like typically in the sort of life coach world, people think that if you have a great job, if you have a nice relationship, you have good friends, if you're healthy, you drink enough water, you go to the gym, that then your life is great. But, you know, we, we all know that you can have a lot of great things on the outside and just not feel fulfilled on the inside. Mm -hmm. And well-being, to create that real well-being is you need to um, understand what makes you come alive truly from the inside out. And that's only creativity, I feel, can do that. Obviously, some people think meditation is good for that and mm -hmm. other spiritual practices. But creativity is a spiritual practice and it allows you to express the essence of who you are. Um, and I think that's the missing piece in feeling good. It's not about whether you're a size eight or, you know, whether you're a vegan or you're a vegetarian or what kind of diet you're doing, it's do you feel good as a person and have you got a voice and a way of expressing who you are? And so, I th yeah, I think it's so vital. I agree wholeheartedly. And I'm just thinking about looking at the wellness spaces online, in the real world, whatever, and um, they're definitely is a um and I guess also because it's become a bit of a trend we're all seeing these things all over the place and people it, it, it's a trend and also people realize that things have to change because we can't continue the way that we are because it's not working um and I think it is so important for us to as well as doing the things that keep us physically healthy doing the things that keep our minds healthy because if your mind's not healthy everything is out of whack and as you're saying you can have all of these tangible physical things but there's no connect with your inner self yeah definitely um so apart from um writing and creating space how else can we so you, you talk about your mind um your heart and soul your body your voice so mm -hmm. ha, take us through that so I'm guessing we start with our minds because that's I guess the easier level to maybe not the easier level that's the default place we access mm -hmm. how do we then transition into our heart and soul yeah. So your heart, opening your heart is things that 
get you into your well ironically get you into your body so that's all the sort of movement and the, the object writing and those creative exercises but for the soul it's asking yourself questions like um why am I doing this? What, why do I want to write? Why do I want to create? Or why? what's important to me? Why is that important? It's sort of getting to your your purpose, I guess, and why you want to do the things you want to do, or why you're doing what you want to do. That's mm-hmm. kind of the, the, soul, the soul space. Mm-hmm. And the way I see the body, the way I describe it in my classes, is that's the practical stuff that you do. So for writing, that's the practical tools, you know, your toolkit of techniques for creating great headlines, for um, understanding your reader. But in a more sort of worldly way, that would be then all the day-to-day things you do, your life, your, you know, your livelihood. Mm-hmm. Um, and all, all those things together are what is your voice. It's your expression, the thing that make you unique. Mm-hmm. So you can have your logical, rational side, the mind, and that's, necessary but if you can access your why if you can use um get in your body you can um implement some tools and techniques you can then have a true expression of who you are in the world both in writing or just as as a person it's Mm. kind of a whole holistic way of looking at it yeah yeah i love that absolutely love it um so thinking about you you work currently in the world of self-development yes. in, in terms of your writing. What was the first self-development book you read that had an impact <laughs> on you? Oh, gosh, I knew you were going to ask this. <laughs> uh, you know, I've been reading these books since 1999, the, the old, the dark ages. Mm-hmm. Um, the book that I can remember, the first one that really had an impact, actually, it was by Kate White. She mm-hmm. was a journalist, She was the editor of, I think, Cosmopolitan in the US or another magazine, maybe Red Book. And she wrote a book called Why Good Girls Don't Get Ahead, But Why Gutsy Girls Do. (laughs) So it's not, you know, I'm not deep at Chopra here, but it was a life changing book. It really taught me a lot about how to get out there into the world. You know, I'm quite a a sensitive girl, Mm -hmm. you know, not used to pushing my way forward but this book gave me what I needed to get out there into the world and I found it incredibly useful reading that just having graduated from university and just looking at the world a bit differently to how I would have otherwise I never would have done half the things I've done if I didn't have that sort of guide telling me what what to do and how to create opportunities for myself Just taking that all in. Absolutely love, love, love it. Um, What about, because I go through phases of literally inhaling every self-development podcast, book, whatever there is going. And then I can feel like I've OD'd on it and I just need to escape into fantasy land. Um, Which book has been the best book for you to escape off into? Oh, um, oh gosh. Oh, oh my goodness. I cannot think of which book that is. Because the, the thing is, I read a lot of self-development books, mm-hmm. 
But what I really love and have loved since I was like nine years old is I love magazines. Okay. Absolutely love them. So I always have magazines every single week. I can't live without them. So you queued up for Vogue. I remember seeing you um, when the when when the first Vogue under Edward Enninfall yes, came. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're a real lover. So that is yeah, that your escape? Yeah, that's my escape. And I and I absolutely love. I mean, we shouldn't call them trashy, but I, I love the celebrity weeklies. I really do. Greta. <laughs> I know. <laughs> That's like a swear word. I, I, that is my escape. I just find them fascinating. Yeah. I really just, I can switch off. I can have a cup of tea, I can read a magazine. I never miss, I never miss an issue, really, of some magazine. Never, ever, no matter where I am. And when I live, used to live in Norway, I lived in Norway for six years and couldn't get a lot of my magazines and I had to get them online and it, you know this yeah magazines are a real passion of mine so that's kind of my escapism yeah and I love it <laughs> I'm trying not to make a petty comment <laughs> <laughs> only because I just I guess this this is why you shouldn't um ah never judge a book by its cover because I just wouldn't have associated with you um liking all of those things but you're a fully fledged round whole human being so why not? Yeah, there's nothing wrong with liking what you like. Yeah. This is, this is, but yeah, you know, Tammy, this is the whole point, isn't it? Yeah. We can be all things. Exactly. There, there is no blueprint, there's no model for what a fully fledged woman looks like. Each fully fledged woman is unique. Yeah. And that's the beauty of it. We're all, we're all got things to offer. And Absolutely. in our world, our online world, people constantly talk about comparison. But if you can see that we're all different, we, you know, obviously it's human nature to compare, mm-hmm. but it helps you to stop comparing because you think, well, my friend over here is just doing a different brand, different exactly. expression of who she is. So, and that's the beauty of life. If we were all the same, it would be so boring. Yeah, it would be. Yeah. And anyway, Greta, I'm a fine one to talk. If you saw my Spotify, Spotify, <laughs> my Spotify and Apple playlist and my love for problematic hip hop, you would uh, cast me a few side eyes. So. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Let's keep it 100. It's, do you know what? I was having a discussion with my daughter one day um, because she was listening. I don't really censor her music that much. Um, I used to when she was younger, but we've had so many beautiful, enriching conversations because of music. So whether it's about people using the N-word, about defamatory talk about women and things like that. So we've had real... So when I I wrote something and I described my daughter, she was 10 at the time, as a 10-year-old intersectional feminist, we've been able to have conversations and she has a real solid idea of what equality is she knows the difference between equality and equity she knows the genesis of the n-word being reclaimed and all that kind of caper we've been able to have some really good conversations and she now has her own boundaries and she knows what ideology within that is for her what isn't and also she's got a fair idea of what is done to um sell records um so for me it's sort of a, a a mixed playground of of different things um but it is definitely an escape when I hear that beat and some of the lyrics which are very funny um I get lost in that but there is some stuff I can't listen to because it's just too defamatory it's just too ridiculous and aggressive I just think what joy um can you get here 
Um, I agree. Sometimes it's too much, isn't it? I was in like this juice bar once, and they were playing this hip hop that was too much, and I thought, oh gosh, yeah, I'm not sure just... if I can come here again. <laughs> it's just too, you know, negative towards women, and yeah, too yeah, bad. There are but some of it is fun, and yeah, yeah, but there are. Um, so thinking about fun and joy, apart from writing. And just being a renegade and doing what the heck you want. <laughs> How do you, what do you do for fun and joy? Yeah, so I, one thing I love, I love dancing. Mm-hmm. And so I love, I started going to high heel dance classes oh. in Norway. And then I found, a, I found some classes here and they're amazing. You literally do what Beyonce does. I need the details right now, right now. I'm going to email you the details. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. It's so empowering. Yeah. It was, it's just amazing. So I love, I love dancing, but not merely in the club, not in a nightclub these days. So in a class, I prefer. Um, And I just like, I really like going out for lunch. I like (laughs) having lunch out. I like going out for dinners with friends and I really enjoy vintage clothes and kind of just I like the sort of London life Mm -hmm. I'm not a countryside girl I love I love just the London lifestyle of being able to kind of do anything I love going to comedy nights as Mm -hmm. well love that Mm -hmm. we are very fortunate in this capital city there's a little bit of everything you want to do possibly in the world here well maybe not rainforests and stuff but we've got um, (laughs) lots of stuff that can bring you joy if you are if you if you make it a priority yeah if you can have carve out the time yeah and the space and find friends who want to do the same thing and just yeah make the most of what we have isn't it because we don't have much time we're all so busy but try and just yeah find pockets of cool fun time that we can do things so we all have the same 24 hours a day. well we don't all have the same 24 hours a day but we all have 24 hours in our day you're I, I you talked about making sure that you have time that um reflects your flow um mm-hmm. do you do things like are you somebody that wakes up really early early in the morning to get more done because I'm, I'm really trying to wrap my head around this concept of doing less and achieving more but how, how do you do it? <laughs> yeah, no, but I don't do, I don't do less though. And I don't get up. If I, sometimes I go through phases of so sometimes I get up really early to write, but mm-hmm. I'm not doing that at the moment because I've finished writing my book. So I'm not, I'm not getting up really early in, anymore. So I just, um, no, I get up around sort of 6.30 and get, do a little bit. Sometimes I do a little bit of writing then and then have to get my daughter ready for school. Mm-hmm. But, um, no, sorry, what was the question? How do I fit everything in? Yeah. I just kind of, um, you know what, I'm, I, I actually really like being focused. You know, so if I'm actually doing something, mm-hmm. I will do it 100%. I'm kind of like that generally. Mm-hmm. So if I can sit down and really, really super be focused on um, what I'm doing, then I can really write a lot or get a lot of things done. But, you know, like... I just sort of fit in things where I can. Sometimes I'll do evening, evening. Sometimes I'll be doing things at the weekend. Mm-hmm. It's kind of quite a sort of flexible lifestyle where I sort of do what needs to be done when yeah. it needs to be done. Um, but I do always, I, being a highly sensitive person, I have to have my downtime. So I will always have time as well to switch off. Otherwise, I won't be able to, 
you know, be, yeah. be well in yeah. the times I'm supposed to be working. So I like that. So it's flexible, but with boundaries around what you're doing. So yes, if it's work definitely. time, it's focused work time. And when it's downtime, it's real downtime so that you have a time to rest- restore. Yes, definitely. Yeah. And I just do what I can um, when when I can do it. And sometimes, um, yeah, sometimes I do evenings. It just it just depends. Yeah. It just depends what's going on. So what is going on at the moment is you have a book coming out. Yes. Tell really us, exciting. tell us, tell us. Yeah, so this is my second book. This is a real passion project. So this is called Heart, Soul and Sass, mm-hmm. Write Your Way to a Fully Expressed Life. And just finished writing it and I've launched it for a pre-order campaign. So basically with a website called Publishizer. Mm-hmm. And I have 30 days up until May 15 mm-hmm. to get lots of pre-orders. And I'm offering really cool bonuses on top of that. So I'm mm-hmm. offering a um, coaching session with me. Um, you can hire me to speak. You can come to a workshop. So lots of different bonus packages if you want to buy more copies. Okay. And basically this website matches you up with a publisher so it matches authors up with publishers based on number of pre-orders you get and who's interested in the kind of you know vibe around your campaign so it's really exciting and it's a really different way to launch a book it's very different to the traditional way I did my first book yeah and I'm really excited about it and it's the book kind of you know based on what we've discussed today it's like how you can be fully expressed living your best life but using writing to get there and tools and techniques to feel really good but also to dive deeper into some of the things that might be holding you back the sort of untapped grief or some of the losses the everyday losses we don't really think about so yeah I'm really excited really excited about this book and when does the campaign end so this campaign ends on May 15 okay yeah May 15 2018 yes in a couple of weeks time yeah wow um this sounds like something that um many of the people listening will need um I know within my friendship group alone there's quite a few people that have a book in them um and could do with a the book and b your support with getting that book out of their head or the notes that they've got scrabbled around all over the place into one place um so what is the website address for people to access that so the website address is so http you know the sort of colon forward slash forward slash publishizer p-u-b-l-i-s-h-i-z-e-r.com slash heart hyphen soul hyphen sass okay you might need to put this in the notes (laughs) yeah no I definitely I will put it in the notes and and when it's shared on social media it will definitely go in there um is there anything else you have coming up um that we should know about well one thing I'm really focusing on is helping people to get their self-help books out there into the world so yeah just to encourage people if you do think if you've been sitting on a book or you kind of have half a proposal or really welcome to get in touch with me for um, a chat to see how I can sort of help you initially straight away and then if you want to work together later you know that's absolutely fine for us to talk about but just to I'm really passionate about helping other people to get 
their books out there too because people have amazing messages amazing mm-hmm. stories and we need more diverse voices so mm-hmm. so that's yeah that's coming up well that's com- yeah, that's what I'm doing right now um, and how can people get in touch with you to access your coaching service so the best way is my website which is www.gretasolomon.com well yeah you can get in touch with me there I'll make sure that that is also in the show notes. And if people want to keep up with you day to day, which is the best social media platform and what's your handle? So Instagram is probably the one where I'm most active. And that's my handle is Greta.Solomon. Well, again, I will make sure. I will make sure that that is linked into the show notes. Um, Is there anything else that you have on your mind, heart, soul, body um, that you would like to share with us before I sadly say goodbye? Oh, love that question. Um, Just if if there's something I was given this advice. When I was a young journalist, I went to interview um, Barbara Taylor Bradford, the author. You know, she's written like 20 books. Yeah. Look me in the eye and she was like, Greta, (laughs) if you have a book in you, then you must write it. You must, must do it. Um, Yeah. And kind of that, if you have a dream in you, you must do it. Find a way to do it. And I think... But yeah, there's always a way, always a way to do things. Absolutely, absolutely. Greta, it has been an absolute joy to have a conversation with you. I am sure that there are many people that will value this discussion and learn lots and lots from it. And I'm hoping that anybody that has some kind of creative writing project um, and feels a little bit stuck or wants some guidance or whatever... Um, contact you because I think you've just got so much to offer oh thank you so much Tamu it was lo- amazing lovely to speak to you today and I've really enjoyed our conversation so thank you brilliant thank you very much Greta okay take care bye bye thank you for listening to the 360 podcast we can continue the conversation on social media using the hashtags live360 and everyday joy I hope to see you on my social media channel. If you like the podcast, please subscribe, like, comment, rate, and share this podcast wherever you're listening. 360 Conversations is produced by me, Tammy Thomas. Podcast music produced by James Anderson. I look forward to engaging with you next time.